Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. This is another episode of Ask Jess. I am Jess Marcy. I am a clutter coach, and I have this podcast every single, or is it a podcast? Who knows what it is? Live stream every single week where I answer all of your burning, decluttering, organization, and time management questions. So let's dive right in. As you're joining us live, please say hello. Uh, the first question is about fine-tuning my personal library. So here is the question. I need some tips on how to declutter my books. I have gained ground through the years, but I really want to streamline my collection. I have religious. I totally want to keep all or most of those. Lots of marriage books. I want to keep most, if not all, of those. And that leaves diagnosis books, teen and children rearing books, and healing from abuse books. They are all important to me. Okay. So <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. Here is the cold hard truth about your book collection. If you value every single one of those books, you need to have space for every single one of those books. If you have any collection in your life that you feel is super important to you and you want to keep every single piece of the collection, then that's totally okay but your storage needs to reflect that. So if you love all of your books and you don't want to get rid of any of them, then you need to have the storage in your house to store all of those books. So one big collection that you love means other collections need to shrink. That being said, um, I feel like when you wrote in this question, uh, dear viewer, <laughs> um, you said that you want to streamline your books and declutter your books, but then you also said you don't want to get rid of any of your books. So one of those things is going to have to change in order to provide a solution for you. I would look at every sub-collection. So you said you have religion books, you have marriage books, you have books about raising children and books about healing from abuse that you don't want to get rid of. I would look at those books as a whole, all of your religion books or religious books together, all of your marriage books together, all of your childbearing books together, all of your healing from abuse books together. If you have read the book and used the book, are you going to actually read it and reference it again? How frequently are you referencing these books? If you're not frequently referencing them, then could you pass them to somebody else who would use them and would get use out of them? So when it comes to books, when we're hanging on to our books, that means that somebody else is not having the, especially nonfiction books, somebody else doesn't have the option to read them. If you pass it along, could that book really help somebody else out? Uh, and so that's one way that you can kind of maybe bridge that gap between hanging on to every book or letting some go these books could be helpful to other people. So maybe that's one way that you can start to let them go. But I would look at each sub-collection and then within that sub-collection, what are your number one top books? What books are you referencing every week, every month? If you haven't cracked open a book in years, what are the actual chances that you're going to open that book and use it in the future? If you have a lot of books that you're not using, it's just storage, right? And if you're not actually going to be, be really realistic, are you ever going to open this book and look at it? If not, can you let it go with love and gratitude, knowing that it was here for you, 
you had the option to, you had this great option to read it. You chose not to, and that's totally, totally okay. Maybe somebody else can use it. Um, and if you truly want to streamline and you don't have more storage, I would look at how much space you have and get realistic about living within that space. If you have four bookshelves for all of the books, challenge yourself to reduce your collections living within that space. And then challenge yourself to looking at your books more frequently. So if we're just keeping them for the sake of keeping them and not for the sake of using them, is there a way that to move forward where you're actually using a smaller collection? So I hope that that helps. Um, my burning question, so moving on to question number two. My burning question is Mississippi is hot. Yes, there's a lot of the country that is hot right now. Um, 112 degrees with a heat index. I would like to declutter, uh, but I opened the front door to take a bag of trash out and now it is hot inside the house. <laughs> um, okay, this is a very long question. Let's see. I know some cities and states are worse than even 112 degrees. I refuse to have a yard sale in this heat because only crazy folks will come out in this heat. I was going to let the thrift store sell my nice home miscellaneous and decor um, and they can make the money there. Yes, uh, this is a great mental adjustment. Boot camp got me going again and I'm just going to stack up the boxes and bags to go to my car tonight. Um, my house is a million degrees. Anyone else is in the South too and facing what I am with the summer weather. Yeah, this is actually uh, a really, really good question slash comment. When we are decluttering, we need to make sure that we prioritize our safety first and foremost. If it is 112 degrees, this is not a great time to be decluttering a warm space. Do not go up into your attic, although I know a lot of houses in the South don't actually have attics. Um, maybe work on your basement if it's cool down there. Find a spot that is cool where you are not going to risk heat exhaustion. Uh, and this goes with all decluttering. Make sure that you are staying safe while you are decluttering. Because the last thing that you want is to injure yourself while you're decluttering. So there are there is some seasonality to decluttering. Um, I would, you know, I was just actually thinking about my attic today and how I need to go through it. And we're coming into fall in upstate New York. This is a good time to be in the attic when the temperature is much lower than it is in the middle of the summer. But really think about these questions. They're really good to consider. Also, I am never a big fan of yard sales, really. <laughs> There's so much work and you have to hold on to the stuff for so long. So really think hard and long before you decide to have a yard sale. Is it worth your time? Your time is more valuable than anything else in the world. You cannot make more time. You have a certain amount of time and that is it. Is this stuff worth your time? Is it worth your time to pull it aside Put prices on it, hold it in your garage, set it all up, negotiate with people who want it for $2 less. And then at the end, you still have stuff that you need to do something with. Is that worth your time? Occasionally, maybe, possibly there is an exception when it is worth your time. Generally, it is not. Pass it along to a thrift store. Give it to people who actually can use it and need it right now. 
Um, okay. The next question, what do you do with 30 years of pay subs from work? Okay. Honestly, personally, I would just throw them out. Um, maybe shred them if they have personal information on them, but you don't need to keep pay stubs for 30 years. Maybe one from the first 10 years, one from the second 10 years and one from the third 10 years, just to have a historical record that might mean something to you. But, um, I don't think there's any reason to keep pay stubs for 30 years. If you have a tax reason to keep pay stubs, usually it goes back eight years. Talk to your accountant about that and get some professional advice specific to you and your situation. But uh, there's no reason to keep 30 years of pay stubs. So you can just toss those. Uh, and that's, that's a nice and easy one. What do you do when relatives come complaining? Why aren't certain areas cleaned up, even with the kitchen renovation, which is not finished? Okay, nobody else has a right to talk about your space. Nobody else has a right to criticize your space. If you have nothing nice to say, you don't need to say it at all. And I know this can be really a difficult situation that a lot of people face. Um, let's practice you know, some lines that could be helpful. I understand that my space isn't the way that you would like it, but I would appreciate it if you don't talk to me about that because I'm working on it. Or, um, But maybe if it's the same relatives that say it over and over again, you can say before you come over, please don't comment on my space. I would really appreciate it if you, you know, it, it feels really stressful to me and I'd appreciate it if you just didn't make that comment. Um, I think you have to stand up for yourself sometimes and just say, listen, it's my space and um, I appreciate your concern for my space, but I do not. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, you don't need to comment on it, period. Like, and if it doesn't make you comfortable, there's a comment in our live stream right now that says there's a hotel down the street. That's right. It is your choice to let people into your space. And you can definitely put parameters and boundaries around that. You're welcome to come into my house, but if you're going to criticize my space, that's going to be very stressful for me. So please don't, you know, that would not be acceptable. That's it. You just got to, with love for the, when you put a boundary around a relationship, it's actually a way to maintain this relationship. Because if somebody is continually putting down your space, it's going to undermine the entire relationship. So while it might seem difficult to tell them not to say that, Ultimately, you're protecting the relationship because it'll be a relationship that you want to continue to be in. So boundaries, as difficult as they are, are actually a really loving thing that you can do for a relationship. What about credit card offers in the mail and prescription pages from the pharmacy? What do I do with those? Uh, so throw them out. <laughs> you, you do not need to keep any of this stuff. Throw it out. Uh, or recycle it if you recycle paper. If you feel like there's personal information on it, you can, there's a couple of ways that you can get rid of personal information. Um, usually there's not personal information on them, so you don't have to worry about that. It's illegal to put too much personal information in a lot of offers, but just toss them. I don't even open up that stuff. I just put it right into the recycling bin that is right by the door <laughs> so that it doesn't even come into my house because I don't want to have to think about it ever again. When it comes to paper, you can throw out or recycle or get rid of almost all of your paper without any ill consequence. Um, if you're concerned about identity theft, I don't know if this is, is going to make you feel good or not, but um, most identity fraud happens online through large electronic breaches, uh, not through anything that's in your garbage. So just food for thought there. 
Okay, question number, whatever question we're up to here. This is the last question that was submitted for this week. I have tried block scheduling. So we're going on to time management here. <laughs> I have tried block scheduling as you have recommended in the past, but it doesn't work for me. I am retired and I have all the time in the world, but I can't seem to get anything done. Do you have a time strategy that could work for me? It's really, really hard when we have too much time. It's hard when we don't have enough time. It is hard when we have too much time. Block scheduling, since that was specifically referenced in this question, block scheduling is a way of taking your day and breaking it into different blocks of time where you're doing similar activities. So if you are running errands, doing all of your errands in one block of time. Um, if you have young children, you might have a block of time where the kids nap and you do only certain things during that block of time. So it's a way of looking at all of the activities that you do across a day or a week or a month and blocking out time, the same time every day to do them. If you have a lot of options in your life, it can be really difficult. If you have a schedule that changes all of the time, it can also be really difficult. I have a lot of options with my time because I'm self-employed. Um, I, you know, I have some, some times where I have constraints with my kids, but ultimately I have to really get myself into a spot where I am maximizing my productivity for at least some period of the day uh, and taking control of my time so it does not take control of me and somehow nothing gets done. When you retire, it's really difficult to manage your time because you're so used to having a set schedule for so long. I would look at block scheduling more as an opportunity to create a flow to your day that makes sense for you. So block scheduling when you're retired might look like every morning I wake up and these are like my top three things that I do when I wake up. So maybe it's unload the dishwasher, put on a load of laundry, uh, have my cup of coffee and read the news or watch the news, something like that. That's how your day starts. So you kind of start to think about instead of, well, just kind of start to think about it as a flow for your day. Maybe you want to go on a walk every day so that where does that flow into your day? What is your exercise block of time? That makes sense every single day and then stick to it. So if you always go for a walk after lunch, or that is the time when you feel like it's best for you to go for a walk, make your exercise block after lunch and then actually do it. <laughs> and this is kind of the hardest part with all of time management is we can set up beautiful schedules and everything is perfect on paper or in our heads but actually committing to it and doing it is a whole different thing. So I would use block scheduling just really as a way to think about your flow for the day. If I were retired, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, I would probably have one block for movement because movement's very important. And I would want to make sure that that happens one block for food prep. So there would be one time during the day where I would do most of my food prep. This is actually kind of what I do right now. Uh, one block of time during the day where I go out of the house. So if I have an appointment, I will always schedule it during this block of time. If I need to run an errand, I will have one block where it's my easiest for me to go out of the house and take care of stuff. 
type of thing. Um, I would, so I would just kind of look at my hours during the day and see what makes sense in terms of a good flow. And then if I have a block of time where it's always my going out of the house block, I would make sure all of my errands get done. Then, uh, any doctor's appointments that I have would be scheduled. Then if I'm going to check on neighbors or, you know, bring food to somebody, that would be the time that I would do it every single day so that my day just had a flow that worked for me. The thing about any time management or scheduling is you want to reflect on what's working and what's not. And this is really important because if you're not sticking to your schedule or your blocks of time or whatever it is, it's, it's not working, right? So why isn't it working? What do you need to shift around in order to make it work? And that reflection time really, really helps. I, no matter who you are, what you're dealing with, what your life looks like, I would recommend you have planning time in at the end of your day or the beginning of your day, every single day. In talking to lots of clients, especially recently, because we've been talking about time management so much, I believe that we really underestimate how much time we need to spend planning what needs to be done the next day, the next week, the next year, whatever it is. I spend tons of time every day just planning, just going over my schedule, going over what we're going to eat tomorrow, going over where everyone needs to be, going over what needs to get done every single day because I can't keep it all in my head and nobody can keep it all in their heads. Our brains are optimized for safety, not for organization. So our brains are keeping us safe all the time. Our brains don't care about our to-do list because it has very little to do with our safety. So spending time looking at your calendar, looking at your schedule, whether you use paper, digital, it doesn't matter. Take that time to just know what's going on tomorrow. And if you block schedule, use that to establish your flow for the day. You don't have to, if you're retired, it doesn't have to be, you know, to the minute that you do everything, but use it to kind of come up with a flow for your day that works best for you. Also, number one time management tip that I have is to front load your day with what you have to do. So if you've got nothing to do all day long, it's really easy to say, I'll take care of this thing that I have to do later. I don't need to do it now because I have all day to do it. Then later becomes 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning, and your sleep is all messed up. And if your sleep is all messed up, it's really hard to stick to a schedule. So do anything that you need to do first, as soon as you can. Maybe it's not the second that you wake up. Maybe it's after coffee, but front load your day with the most important things that you need to get done. And then you can use the rest of the day for whatever you want, but don't wait. Don't push off those tasks that have to happen because it, it like undermines the entire cycle. Your sleep gets messed up. Your morning gets messed up. And if you don't have your morning, right, your afternoon's not going to go right. And your night's not going to go right. And then it's going to get into this whole, you know, just cycle that, <laughs> that is non-productive. So front load your day with the most important tasks, anything around your house that is maintenance type stuff, dishes, laundry, bringing decluttering stuff out, uh, projects that you're working on. If you have to get them done, phone calls you have to make, appointments you have to schedule, get it done first. Do not put it off. And then you have the whole day to push off the rest of the things that aren't critical. <laughs> All right.
this was another episode of Ask Jess. Uh, <laughs> Laura, front load your day. <laughs> if you're doing the Clutter Boss Challenge, this is something that I harp on continuously during the Clutter Boss Challenge or during the 90 days. And if you're not doing the Clutter Boss Challenge, consider doing it because it really forces you to prioritize things um, and teaches you these skills through the process of figuring out how to get your tasks done every single day. Um, the Clutter Boss Challenge is 90 days to a home that cleans itself. And the idea is that you are stacking certain habits for 30 days at a time. And if you miss a day, you go back to day one, because if you can do something for 30 days, it becomes a habit. Um, if you can do it for 90 days, it is just who you are. But the process of trying to figure out how to make it happen every single day is actually where the most value is there because you're always looking to see how can I improve this and front loading your day is so key. It's so key. All right. If you have questions for the next episode of Ask Jess, please make sure they get to me. You can post them in the comments. You can email them to support at prioritizeyoursanity.com. And a special uh, little ask for everyone. If you don't follow me over on YouTube, I would love for you to head over there and find my podcast and follow it. I am going to be embarking the next two weeks on a little personal radical simplification of my home and my life in preparation for the next school year, which is starting in New York uh, in a couple of weeks. And I have decided I need to radically simplify uh, to help maximize my productivity, but also just to keep my mental health solid and strong. So if you want to see what that looks like for me, uh, just to get some ideas, inspiration, motivation, or to think, oh my gosh, I would never do that. Whatever it is, <laughs> it will be happening over on YouTube. Um, so feel free to pop over there and check it out. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your Tuesday, and I look forward to seeing you next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.